The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. Good evening. How's everybody tonight? Good. <clears throat> I'm really used to talking to kids, so if I ask a question, you need to respond back a little bit. So, um, if you don't know me, I'm Vernon Blair. I'm uh, on the I'm one of the on uh, the board here, and I'm one of the elders. And it's my privilege actually to be here tonight. And I don't get a great a lot of opportunities because we have some wonderful pastors here, and they're all down in San Diego. And uh, Jeff gives his greetings and his love to all of you. And uh, they are excited to come back. They've been learning a lot of stuff down there. I got a chance to go to the mission in Mexico today, where Jeff and Bronwyn served, and um, they had a wonderful time down there and got a chance to serve down there and to see all the kids again. So, But he does send his love. He says he'll be back here Sunday, and looking forward to seeing everybody. So tonight we're going to take a look in uh, um, Genesis chapters 1 through 3, and um, and God is preparing a place for us. So I, I, I one of the things I want to just share really quick tonight is... Um, we really need to be praying for our, those families in Roseburg. And uh, maybe that, you know, we hear about that throughout the world and we hear about those things happening across. And then when it's in our back doors, it really is close. And it makes me really think about, you know, my stand for God too. And, you know, could I, could I, could I, could I, could I do what some of those kids did and say, yes, Jesus is my Lord and be willing to lay down my life and you know and, and praise the lord that these you know, these young people had that that to do and they were willing to stand up and and confess jesus christ and uh, i really want to pray for them tonight and their families and um and just being a peace because i know there's a lot of i mean lots of people talking about it and i you know i'm hearing it from a lot of people you know around me at work and a lot of those people aren't uh, believers and you know what's going on and why'd that happen and and um, that God would give us the wisdom at this, during this time to be able to share um, his love that he has for everybody. And so that's why I want to start off and we'll pray for them. And, um, but you know, keep, the, keep them in your prayers daily because it's a horrific thing to lose somebody like that and, um, um, and, and at such young ages. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for just bringing us together this evening. And Lord, we just pray for those for those people up in Roseburg, for those families that have lost loved ones over something so so tragic. And we just ask that you would uh, continue to bless that community, give them uh, nourishment, let them understand your great love. Show, you know, let, you be, let you be victorious in this and all the things that would outcome of this and the, and the cries of, of pain and agony and outrage. And Lord, that you could be the comforter and the healer there. And it'd be about you. And um, we just ask for that tonight. Jesus, your name. Amen. So um, we're going we're gonna to talk about Genesis. We're going to kind of kind of slide through a lot of it in chapters 1 through 3. And, and what we're going to end up with is we're going to go through that. And then we're going to end up somewhere in the New Testament. And, um, and God is preparing a place. And God is preparing a place for you. And he's preparing a place for me. And he's preparing this for all eternity. And we, and we take a look at Genesis chapters 1 through 3, and it's that preparation of time, that preparation that, that God had here for Adam and for Eve, but in for us, a storyline for the preparedness that he has for me and for you. 
and how he is at work and doing that and developing it. And with God, uh, there's just no coincidences to actions. And so when God starts this whole thing, he knows where the end is going to come. And we, and we as believers should know that same thing. And so we're going to just kind of walk through this. And the reason this all came about for me is when I got asked to do this was a few weeks ago I was teaching kids, uh, third through fifth graders, and, I, and we were talking about, um, in Revelation, we were talking about the new earth and what that's going to look like. So I said to the kids, I said, here's a piece of paper, and I want you to either, for third through fifth graders, so some of them are much better at drawing, well, not really, but better at drawing than they are at writing. And I said... I said, you can either draw a picture of what you think that heaven's going to look like, and, and or you can write down what you think. And then on the other side of the paper, I want you to draw what you think hell's going to look like, and, or write it down. And uh, um, absolutely, I wish I would have kept some of those, and we could have showed them to you tonight, but I didn't, and somehow they got lost. And um, absolutely were amazing to me of what what they thought heaven was going to look like. I mean, the pictures were wonderful. You got angels floating, you got clouds in the pictures, and, and everything from no more pain to no more sorrow. I mean, the kids, you know, even at that age, know their Bibles very well. And how they, you know, how the illustrations were just so peaceful on the heaven side. And flip them over, and I go, wow, you know, it was just amazing. I mean, you know, I was praying to the Lord that I wouldn't have nightmares in some of the pictures of what they interpreted hell to look like. You know, you got, you know, you got Satan chasing people around with a pitchfork. You got uh, people down at these little heads popping out of boiling stuff. And, and horrifically speaking, that's hell. And so their interpretation of all those things were just great. And then so it led me to, they asked me, they said, well, Vern, what do you think heaven's going to be like? And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit here in Genesis 1 through 3. What, is heaven, what does heaven look like to me? And, and it may not look like it to you, you know, but this is what I see heaven to look like. And where is that going to take us? And where, what the road we're going to go down to get to there? And then where is God taking us now, you know, since all this, where's God taking us now and, you know, until the end time when he comes back and, and we go to that, to that new heaven? And we see all the things that he's done and arranged for us. So anyhow, that's our walk tonight. So um, you want to follow along. I'm going to read a little bit. And, um, but we're going to go to John chapter 1. And one of the things also that has amazed me in my life, maybe it's just because I'm getting older, is, is, is the power that God's word has. And, and how powerful that is. You know, I, I think, you know, through most of my life, I just kind of took it for granted I mean, it was God's word, I believe that, to be the truth for most of my life. And, but I didn't realize sometimes just how powerful the spoken word of God is, or the written word of God is, and how powerful that is in our lives to be around that. And I think we, I think we kind of miss, miss out on that just a little bit by not being still and knowing that he's God, just to listen to him, so we can sit and be quiet. And I have a really hard time, my wife will attest, I have a really hard time just to sit, be still, and listen to God. But I think it's really important. And I, and I think that we'll see that. So John chapter 1, and, and um, we probably all know those verses very well, and I could probably have somebody stand up and they could probably quote them for us. But he says this in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, 
And he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not, was not anything made that was made. So in the very beginning, and John writes this to attest to this as a testimony to Jesus, he, he said it. And with him and through him, everything was made that was made. And so bringing that to light, you know, when we get back into Genesis, bringing that into light, it's that spoken word of God that made it happen. Nothing, you know, that all the things that we can imagine and, and um, you know, and unless you were blessed to go, go through school, you know, in a Christian school your whole life. Um, but all the teachings that we had and all the different things that we had, you know, through, you know, through elementary school to high school to college, all those things brought to light a whole different perspective of how this all happens. But God in his word and his simplicity says, but it was spoken. And through that word, it was made. Very simple. And it's great for me. I don't know how great that is for you, but it's great for me because it's simple. And it just has to be by faith that God was capable of doing that by speaking it and that there was nothing else involved in it. So Genesis chapter 1. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. And God said... Let there be light, and there was light, and God said that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning. And God said, let there be a firmament firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and separated the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and there was evening, and there was a morning, and there was second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, and a third day. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be a sign for the seasons, for the days, and for the years. And let the lights of the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning and a fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the firmament of the heavens. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. 
And there was evening, and there was a morning, and a fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their own kinds and the cattle according to their kinds. And everything that creeps upon the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. And so we're going through and we're, you know, five and a half days into creation. And God's got a plan. And, he's, and, and his plan is he's preparing something. Something that's great, something that's majestic, something that's... And, and as we kept reading through that, and he saw it was good. And I can, you know, and, and just that resemblance of God and God saying it was good, it had to have been good. It had to have been good. It had to have been beyond our entire concept of anything else, of how perfect and how good and how in order that it was all being put together. And God's forming it all. He's making it all. But he's doing it by his word. And it's kind of important that he's doing it by his word. The spoken word of God. And all this stuff is now being created by him. And it's all set forth and there's a stage being set. And the second half of that sixth day is who the stage is being set for. I mean, we are here for God's great glory. And that's what the Bible says. We are here for his glory. And so God has prepared all this, all this, all this for this one purpose for us. And God has set it forth in this perfect surrounding and encompassed it all by his word. And, and when I read that, I mean, I, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times, you know, through my life, going to Sunday school and going through church, and how many times I have had the opportunity to, to read this and then start to see it in a whole different light. And I think every time, you know, and I, and I think, you know, Jeff, Jeff talks about this too, that every time we read it, I think God says, speaks to us a little bit differently each time we read something. Not that we should put and add things to it, which is a huge mistake. We're going to talk about that here tonight too. And we need to be careful about that. But God has something as we mature and as we grow with him, something new to set forth for us every day. Something that our eyes are open a little bit more keen to, that it looks a little bit clearer to us. And that vision of who he is becomes just that, a little bit clearer. So, verse 26. And then God said... Let us make man, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree which the seed is in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given them every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, 
It was very good. And there was evening and there was morning and it was the sixth day. And so God now puts man in the midst of this thing that he has created. And he forms man, and we're, and we're going to see this in chapter 2, he forms man differently than he did the rest of all creation. And God makes us here in the likeness of him, in the likeness of God. And, and, and I, read a lot of, I read a lot of things you know, about description of why us, why this, upright, you know. And, and, but he develops this in a sense of, because he comes to us in the, in the form of man. And he'll come to us in the form of Jesus Christ. And so God develops this whole thing with body, spirit, and soul. And he, and, he, and he makes us into what he wants us to be. And all these things, and he says, and, I want, I, and you'll have dominion, you'll have power, you'll, and you'll rule over all these things. And, and he says, and all these things are going to be given unto you, man, for you to take care of for me. I've made these things for you, so take the good care of them because they're mine. I've created them. And you know, and, and interesting, you know, like I said, there's verses in here that that I, you know, that I, every time I read, I learn something new. In that, you know, and I knew this, but it says, you know, and, and all the beasts even had plants to eat too. So there's no no shedding of blood. There's no none of that hostility. You know, the the lamb laying with the lion. You know, we'll hear you know, the book of Revelation, and all that is set forth because there's this peace and this order that's there. There's no no corruption, there's no um, um, no death, n- nothing happening right now. And God says, and it was very good. So in chapter 2, we start a whole new sequence of events. And thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all his work which he had done in creation. So God um, God takes and uh, decides, sits back, <laughs> and I hear, you know, like I said, teaching kids, you hear lots of interpretation about God being tired and having to rest and sit back, and you know, I guess that's the image that you know, they must see from their, you know, I don't know, from their dads on Sunday afternoon watching football and put their feet up in the air after church and falling asleep. Not that I've ever been there, but that's the image I think that they probably see, that God did the same thing. Well, God rested as we need to rest from what he had done. Not because he was tired, but because he sat back, and I believe that he sat back and just looked at what he had done. Now, the Bible is really clear, and I said it earlier, that sometimes we need to be still and know that he is God. That we just need to sit back and realize what he's done for us. And I really believe that that's what God is doing here on the Sabbath. That he says, there's a time when you just need to, to be able to sit back and know that I'm God. Sit back and look at what I've done for you. Sit back, Vern, and understand how much I love you. And I really believe that that's what God's doing here on the seventh day, that he's taking this day of rest, and he says, and you need to do the same thing. You need to put all this other stuff aside from you 
And sit back and enjoy. Sit back and realize what I've done for you. Now, how hard is that in today's living? Pretty hard, isn't it? It is hard for us to do that on that whatever day we choose as being a Sabbath day. It's hard to take the time. I'm, I'm busy. I got work. I got this. I got that going on in my life. I got kids. I got... We can always find reasons not to do that. And they overwhelm us. I know they overwhelm me sometimes. And that's those periods of my life that I realize that I, I, I need to stop. I need to stop. And I really believe that that's what God designed for us. We just need to stop. Don't make excuses. And we're going to talk about that here in a little while too, excuses. Don't make excuses. God, God just wants our hearts. He doesn't want our excuses. He doesn't want our work. He doesn't, want, he doesn't need those things. What he wants is us. What he wants is us. He doesn't want, doesn't want all those things. He doesn't need all those things. He, doesn't, he just wants you to take time and know that he loves you, to sit back and make that day holy, to sit back and understand who he is, to sit back, take that time, whenever that time comes in your life, you know, in, in your week, in that day, you know, maybe, maybe you got an hour that you can just sit back and understand who God is, sit back and listen to who he is, just take that, even that Sabbath moment in your life, if that's what's needed, but it's great if you could take a day, as he says, it's great if you could take that day and have that day of rest too. Okay. Verse 4. And these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made earth and the heavens, when there was no plant in the field and yet in the earth, and no herb, 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 herb of the field had not yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. And the tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God... So now we, we go back to that sixth day, and God takes man, and he forms him. And he, and, and he makes something very special. I mean, God's work, you know, and we read in Isaiah about being, you know, that the potter and the clay. Well, here's this thing, and, he, and, and he's, making, he's making this vessel that will honor him. He's making this vessel that will love on him. He's making this vessel, and, he, and he, so he forms man out of the dust of the earth. And then he does this thing, and he says, and, and we see it nowhere else with all creation, and he breathes the breath of life into man. And, a word, and the word for that is, in Hebrew is rosh, meaning breath or wind or spirit. And it's the same, you know, it's the same in Greek too, that, that is, you know, when the Greek word comes out, it will be the same meaning. And so God breathes this breath, he breathes the spirit into this man. And man becomes that. He becomes now in the image of God. God has breathed life into him, like he does for you and for me. God breathes life into us, too. If we were yet that, that dust, we were yet that, 
you know, and as, you know, as, and as Paul will say, you know, we have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we've been, you know, that breath of life has come into us. That spirit of God has renewed us, has made us new, has refreshed us, has made us alive. And so now he takes this, he takes man and he does that. And then he makes this garden and he says, and he, not only, you know, we see that he created, he made all these things and he, and, and, he, and by his word, he says, and he planted this garden there in Eden. He plants a garden plants the garden so it grows, plants everything in there, and he puts these two trees in there in the midst, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then it says, and then he takes man and he puts him in the garden. So he goes out and he seeks man out, like he sought you and me out, and he seeks us out, and he, and he, takes, this, and he takes man now and he puts him in this garden. And then he's going to give an instruction period here to him, of the things that he wants him to do. But it's a dwelling place. And so when the kids ask me, Vern, what do you think heaven's like? It becomes this dwelling place for God and for Adam and for Eve. A place where they'll meet God face to face. They'll talk to God. And everything is happening in this garden that God has purposely made this special place even though Eden, which is a delight, it says Eden means delight, he takes and he makes this garden in the midst of Eden that's even a, more of a special place. And he puts man in it. And the imagery there is just absolutely, for me, is just uh, terrific. And he puts those tree, two trees in there, and then it says this, and, and we're going to get back to this here in a minute. That's why I'm going to read it. Uh, verse 10, And a river flowed out of Eden to, the gar to water the garden. And there it divided and became four rivers. The first was the Pishon. It was the one which flowed around the whole land of Hailea. <laughs> and uh, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Um, the Belium and Onyx stone were there. And the name of the second river is Gihon. And it is the one which flows around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Tigris which flows out of Assyria, and the fourth is the Euphrates. And so God, take, God puts, this, puts this garden where all these rivers are flowing, and it says, and, the, and, and it was filled with good gold and precious stones. And we're going to read something later that God is without coincidence. God is without accident, and things are purposeful. And so God's developing this garden or this, this area where he puts man into as a very, very precious place to be. Beyond, I think, beyond anything that we could even begin to imagine. Verse 15, And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall die. And so God now makes a covenant with, with man. He says, okay, it's all for you, Adam. I want you to be in here. You're going to take care of it. You're going to till it. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to do all these things. But one thing you can't do. You cannot eat of that tree that's in the midst. He didn't say anything about the tree of life. He says, don't eat of the tree that will give you the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of it, because if you do, Adam, if you eat of it, you will surely die. God makes a covenant. God makes a promise with him. Don't eat of that tree. How well does that work out? 
How long does that work out when you tell your kids, don't touch that, it's hot? If you touch it, you're going to get burned. How many times have you ever told one of your kids that? Don't touch it, you're going to get burned. How many times did your parents tell you that when you're going, oh, right, it does burn. For some reason, when we're given a verdict, we we want to go and test it for ourselves. We get allured to it. We get... It's like a moth to a flame. We just get attracted. And so God sets this verdict. uh, And I believe in my heart that God sets this verdict for a reason. And he sets this verdict and he tells Adam, don't eat. Don't do it. Don't get tempted. Don't go there. Don't eat it. You got this big garden. Just enjoy everything else that's around you. And we know the verdict of that. And then the Lord God said, it is good that man should not be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So out of the ground, the, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to the cattle and all to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for the man, there was no help found of a helper fit for him. <laughs> so when I was reading that here the other day, I... <laughs> I was sitting back and I was just thinking to myself, oh my goodness, wouldn't that have been fun? You're sitting there and God's bringing them in. You know, probably two by two, just like in the ark. Here comes the, here comes the Mr. and the Mrs. Hippopotamus. And here comes, can you imagine that? Seeing all those things, maybe for the very first time, every creation, every creature that God had created. I just am absolutely would be amazed at there. There are things that you know you look in you look in books or you watch you watch uh, National Geographic. And you don't want to listen to ears, but you watch National Geographic. Then the things that they find that Noah had a chance to sit back with God and God said, "You name them. You name them. What do you want to call this one? What are you going to call this one?" And, and just even the simplest of animals. I mean, you got a you know you got an elephant coming. What are you going to call that one with the big nose? What are you going to call that one with that huge long neck? What do you want to call this one, Adam? I mean, there are some animals that you just go, whoa, where'd that come from? Well, it came from God. But I don't think Adam would say that. That's what I say. Because you just go, wow, that's just amazing. But to be able to be in the garden with God, to be able to be in that garden with God, and God says, hey, Adam, go ahead, you name them. How special could that have been? How unique was that? I mean, I just, you know, so somebody says, Vern, what, is, what, what do you think it's like? That's part of it. That God's going to be with me, and I get to enjoy his presence and all the things that are going on. What's heaven going to be like? You know, it's going to be like that. I, mean, you know, I don't know. That's what it's going to be like. That's how I picture it. probably won't be like that at all. I'm going to get there and go, whoa, that's not what I thought. But that's what I imagine it to be. And that's part of it. What's it going to be like? Well, we're going to be in his presence. And God's going to dwell with us. And there's going to be things that he's going to allow to go on there, just like in the garden. I mean, we, we can't get on earth. I don't think we could have ever gotten anything closer to heaven than what was happening here in the garden. With the presence of God dwelling with a man that was sinless in a perfect place that was sinless. And isn't that what heaven's going to be like? Dwelling with God in a perfect place where there's no more sin. And that's what Adam got to experience here. 
one time that we hear. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs, and he closed up its place with flesh. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So, we can only imagine the, the closeness that God meant here for this. How, how special he made woman out of a man so that they could be knit together that she would come from him and that they would be of one. And God you know, explains that here in, in that. And that they would become one, that they would cleave to one another. So the closeness that Adam and Eve have, which is going to be kind of important when we get to chapter 3, but the closeness that they had, that God had intended for them, is that experience of, <clears throat> of oneness. And that's what we should strive for. When God, when, in marriage, in marriage, God has that closeness and is designed for that oneness, that we be entwined with one another. And there's lots of instructions and lots of things change here in chapter 3, but there's still this closeness that Adam has with Eve. It's, it's a special thing that God had made, especially this thing that God had designed. And what we've done to it happens here in chapter 3. And now the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So, Back in chapter 2, what did God say? God says, don't eat of the tree, lest you die. Eve says to Satan, well, we'll add something to it. Not only did he say, don't eat of the tree, he said, don't touch the tree too, or you're going to die. Now what we do when we take God's word? Sometimes we want to add things, sometimes we want to subtract things. Don't we take the law? Isn't that what happens, you know, we... We see what happens with the Sabbath day, you know, with, with the, um, the, the Jewish priests and all the things they start to pile on the people. You can't do this on the Sabbath day. You can't do this on the Sabbath day. You can't do this on the Sabbath day. You can't do this on the Sabbath day or you're going to surely die or we're going to surely kill you, one or the other. And pretty soon, it couldn't do it. You couldn't breathe. You couldn't do anything. And God says, No. But that's what Eve starts to do already. She starts to add to. And Satan's already figuring it all out. And he's very subtle and he's very deceivious in his ways. And he's taken Eve and he set her aside. And he says, hey, Eve, check it out. Look at this tree. Check it out. Now, God didn't really say it, did he? And that's what he's going to say next. God didn't really say that. He didn't really mean that. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not die. For God knows that when you eat of these trees, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. 
And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was not to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. And she ate. First John chapter 2. Our eyes, you know, and I, 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 sometimes, you know, you take things literally, and, and we take uh, what Jesus had to say about, um, about plucking our eyes out if it would keep us from going into heaven or cutting off our arm or whatever might keep us out. But our eyes, our eyes lead to all kinds of problems because they seem to be connected right to our hearts. They just do. And, and I don't know about you, controlling my eyes sometimes can be the hardest thing that I do in my life. I mean, it's easier for me, and I, you know, they talk about the tongue, but I can send, kind of, sort of kind of control my tongue easier than I can my eyes. Because my eyes just seem to wander a lot. And God says this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. And do not love the world or the things that are in the world. And if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. And the world passes away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. It's all temporary. And when we start, and our eyes start to wander and our temptations start to grow, John writes for us, but it's all temporary. And those things are all going to fade. They're going to be gone. But God lasts forever. And his love lasts forever. But all these things that are around us that catch our eye, you know, and, and it's no different than, you know, when Peter, praise the Lord for Peter, because I don't know if I could do this. But when he gets out of the boat, and Christ says, come on to me, Peter. Yeah, it's me. Come on. You can get out. Come on. I don't know if I could get out of the boat. One there. You got 11 other guys that aren't getting out of the boat. But Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts to walk on water. Miraculous indeed. Until he does one thing, and he takes his eyes off the Lord. And what happens when he takes the eyes off the Lord? He starts to sink. And that's what happens here with Eve. She takes her eyes off of God. She's already added to his word. She takes her eyes off of him, starts to listen to the devil, starts to look at the tree. She had no business even probably being there by the tree, but had wandered off by this tree. And she falls into temptation. And she gets her lust of her eyes get to be the best of her. And she desires this fruit. And she desires it for knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> What a silly thing to want to have knowledge of, I guess. When we could have God's love. And so she takes it and desires to have that. And it says, and she eats of it. And she also gave some to her husband, and he ate. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves aprons. talked about that closeness that Adam and Eve had. And Adam now has seen what has happened. And Adam, with his passion for his wife, loses his passion for the Lord and partakes with her. And right away they knew. 
And don't you know when you sin? I do. I do. There's that time, you know, you just want to cover up. You just want to cover up. And that's what they did. They knew they had sinned. And these well, their futile efforts, they want to cover up their sinfulness. They want to cover up. <laughs> and uh, fig leaves, by the way, are not probably the thing that I would have made, made for myself that apron out of because they're kind of itchy and scratchy. And, you know, but that's what they made an apron out of. But they knew they needed to do, do something. They needed to cover up their nakedness. There was nothing wrong with it. And from that time forth now, that has become, you know, a huge, huge impact upon our, our world of that. Of that particular, <laughs> that particular eye-opening experience for them. But in God's eyes, it was a futile effort to cover up. You can't, we can't cover up our sin. There's no way we can hide it. There's no way we can get away with it. There's no way. But they knew, and I know, when I disobey God, I know I disobey God. I know what I've done is wrong. And right away, it's what we're going to see here in a second. Sometimes I get caught up in the same thing. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man said to his wife, hid themselves, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of thee in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? I mean, here's another, you know, experience that Adam and Eve got to enjoy. It says, and God came to them in the cool of the day to dwell with them. I mean, that's what I see as part of what heaven is like. God's going to come to us and, and we just get to dwell with him. So he comes down to dwell with Adam and Eve. They're like, whoa, I'm going to hide myself. Covered up a little bit, but I'm going to the bushes. We're hiding. And God says, where are you, Adam? He knew where they were at. Where are you, Adam? Oh, we're hiding. Why are you hiding? Oh, we were naked. Well, who told you you were naked? Did you hear that tree? God knows. God knows. We can't cover it up. We can't hide from him. We think we can, but we can't. God seeks us out, sometimes at our lowest. And this was their lowest. Sometimes at our lowest, God just seeks us out. But he still comes to dwell with us. He still comes to find us. And he's not yawning and screaming. He's just like, <laughs> who told you you were naked? Why are you hiding from me? And all he asked him was, did you eat of that tree? Really? I told you don't eat of it. Did You You, you did. Because other than that, you wouldn't know that you were naked. And you wouldn't be hiding from me. But Adam has, Adam has a, could have been a, maybe, a, maybe a lawyer or something. He says, and who, who told you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? And he says, and then the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me the fruit that I ate. And then the woman, and then the Lord said to the woman, who is, what is, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, well, pfft. 
the serpent beguiled me and I ate. I mean, pretty soon it's just like, yeah, but I wouldn't have done it if it hadn't been for that woman that you t- took and made out of me. If you hadn't made her, I wouldn't have done this. And she said, yeah, but I wouldn't have done that if you hadn't made that serpent. Really, God, if you hadn't made him, I, I wouldn't have done that either. And we know that the devil is very wily. And he's here to take as many with him as he can. And it ain't to heaven. And he's here to deceive us and to lead us astray from God. Not to keep us in the promised land. Not to let us go to the promised land. And that's, and that's his mission in life. Verse 14, And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the cattle and all the wild animals. <clears throat> Upon your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So we know that. Here we are, God's big plan, already taking place. God says, I already got it designed. Satan, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. I already cast you out. I already condemned you to all eternity to suffer and be tormented. You're going to lose. You kind of won this little battle, but I had it all planned out. And I'm sending a seed from this woman who will crush you. Who will crush you. And we know that to be Jesus. And so Jesus is already being declared that he's coming. Here we are, Genesis chapter 3, and we have a long ways to go. Genesis chapter 3, we know he's coming. And what an awesome thing that is, that God would say, but I got it all covered already. You know, you, you did this, little covering thing, but I already got it covered. And I'm going to make it right. Not that it's good, not what you did was good, but I can make it right. And we're going to create a whole new atmosphere. And he continues in verse 16. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Yet your desire shall be from your, for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the word voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat all, all of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, and you shall return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So God says, okay, this is what's going to happen now. This wasn't what I designed, but this is what's going to happen now. Eve, <laughs> sorry, but it's going to be painful for you to have childbirth. Adam, It'll be painful for you to even exist. You're going to have to toil. You're going to have to sweat. You're going to have to deal with thorns. You're going to have to deal with thistles. You're going to have to deal with all these things that I didn't design this to be for you, but you will have to. A friend of mine, a friend of mine was talking to me the other day about his grandson. He's got a six-year-old grandson. And his grandson says, they were out picking blackberries. If you've ever been picking blackberries, you know probably what's coming. And he says, Grandpa, how come, and, he, and, and they're a Christian family, he says, how come, God made this thing to taste so good, but when I go to get one, I get stuck. He said, I don't understand. Why did God do that? And I asked him, I said, what'd you tell me? He says, I was so befuggled by the, by the question. He says, I just kind of stood there in awe of it. But we hear why. 
Because it wasn't in the, in the good design. The fruit's good, but you're going to have to work to get it. It's not easy to have that. And it wasn't going to be easy for Adam, and it's not easy for us. The journey's hard. It's just hard. We enjoy living in the kingdom of God. I do. I love, I love my life. And I love being in the kingdom of God today, living in that, living in his kingdom today as we go through life. But it's not easy. The eyes, the mouth, the ears, and all those things, all those temptations surround us, and we get sucked into them. And it's not easy. And we work hard, and we toil. And for those that have had babies, and you toil. I've heard that experience, but I haven't felt that experience. So it must be painful. At least I think it was. But there was a lot of noise. Anyhow, and the man called his wife named Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his garments of skins and clothed them. So now all of a sudden, things change. Up to this point, even the animals were eating grass and they were eating of the bushes and they were eating all the vegetation that God had designed. There was no shedding of blood. Man had tried to clothe themselves with fig leaves. God says, no, I need to cover you with a little bit more. And so the shedding of blood happens and he clothes for them for animal skins. And so God covers us with that, with that blood. And God's design was for that. And so God does that for us, for you and for me, that Jesus would shed his blood and that he would lay down his life for us to be covered over too. So that God has designed that perfectly for you and for me. And then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand, take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground for which he was taken. And he drove out the man at the east of the garden of Eden, and he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. It wasn't accessible to, to Adam. The promise of a Savior coming was accessible to Adam. But the tree of life had been cut off, literally cut off. And he could not get back to the tree of life. But the promise of the tree of life was to come. God would... Um, <clears throat> designed for us that tree of life on Calvary with his blood shedding with his son shedding his blood on that cross for us so that we then we then could re-enter into that garden that we that we could enter into that new heaven I just want to read read one more thing and it's um Revelation chapter 22 and if you want to follow along with that this is the the verses that's that I was teaching with the kids here a few weeks ago. And, um, and he says this, And then he showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and all the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be... No more of anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall worship him, and they shall see his face. And his name shall be on their foreheads, and the night shall be no more. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they shall reign forever and ever. 
through all that, God comes back and he says, and here it is. And in that new city, in that, in that new place where I, you know, and, and Christ says, hey, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And then I'm coming back and I'm going to take you. And God says, and this is what it's going to be like. And in there is going to be this tree of life and this book of life with all our names written in it. Guys, it is just an awesome thing to understand how God's design goes from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between and how God has laid it all out for us. Enjoy his word. Know how powerful it is and be blessed by it. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for just giving us the opportunity to be here this evening and to be, um, just to be able to hear, hear and read your word. And we just praise you for your word and the strength that it has. Lord, it's not about, it's not about us, it's all about you. And we just praise you for that. So be with us this evening, Lord, and we just praise you for our children as they sound like they're having a great time. And um, just be with us now, in Jesus' your name, amen. When we, when, I told you no hard questions. When were we with God forever in eternity? Will we be like Adam and Eve or like Christ? When we are with God forever in eternity, will we be like Adam and Eve or like Christ? Um, God, God has formed us, okay? And, and, and Adam was is is the first man, and and I don't I don't think I don't believe that we would go back, you know, to that state. Okay, that that in Christ, in in Christ we become a new creation, and in Christ you know, with that being a new creation, and um, we become his sons and daughters. And I, and I and I and I believe that's what we're going to be in heaven, sons and daughters of our living God. And we won't be Christ because that's what others teach, and we're not going to fall back to this here because of him, okay? One was on the other side of the cross and we're on the other side of the cross. And there's a difference. And even Christ talks about that with John, you know, no matter how much he loved John and how great John was, he was on the other side of the cross. And there, there is a little difference there. So we won't, we won't do this, we won't be this, but we'll be his sons and daughters. What was the purpose of God putting the tree in the garden with Adam and Eve? Um, I, I believe that God put that there. Um, we have a choice. Adam was, Adam was, was created with a choice. And, and we have that choice, that free will. Um, you know, the angels now don't. We still do. Adam had that choice. And God, God just gave that to him and said, hey, don't do it. Don't, Adam. I love you. Don't, don't eat of that tree. Listen to me. Be whom I created you to be. Don't, don't do that. Don't be that. Just like we are that. We are now new creations in Christ Jesus. Is that everybody agrees with that? God says, but there's going to be trees in your garden that you shouldn't eat of. Don't eat of those trees. Keep your eyes on me. Don't focus on the fruit. Keep your eyes focused on me. Don't listen to Satan, the serpent. Listen to me. Stay away from those things. And they're healthier for us. 
spiritually, physically, they're healthier for us. And I really believe that, that this, if we really wanted to just be healthy physically and emotionally and, and not even leaving out the spiritual part of it, would be a great book. But with the spiritual side of it, it's a great book. Not a good book. It's a great book. And so, I, you know, I just think that he put that there because man had free will. He has, you know, not only is he, you know, um, body, soul, and spirit, unlike the animals. We have those three things. And so we had that free will, and, and Adam had that free choice too. God didn't make a, a clone. He made him in the likeness of himself. And Adam had a choice not to, and Eve had a choice not to eat of that fruit. And they chose not to do that. And so they ended up paying the price. 900 and some odd years later, but <laughs> nevertheless, it still came. Okay, who or what is the tree of life? So, um, Christ says that he is the life. I am the truth, the way, and the... And so Christ is that, Christ is that tree of life for us. And he represents that very vividly, I think, very vividly on the cross. And I think that very vividly that, you know, that he is the only way that, that we will have unto salvation. That's why God said, ah, we got to get him out of the garden. Because now he knows the difference between good and evil. And if we gave him, the, <laughs> we gave him this tree here, you're not going to die. And that's not a good combination. And that's just not a good combination. But, Christ, but God has given to us Christ, who is that tree of life for us. And then we seek him out. And then he gives to us, just like it would have for Adam, eternal life. That we will not perish. That we will not die. We may die physical death someday, but we won't die of sin. And he'll call us out of that.